Okay. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, where we have supernatural and prophetic encounters with the Word of God. I am your host, Pastor London Lee of Downing Love, a Global Church Fellowship, and it is my honor and my pleasure to be here tonight and to have you join us. Those that are joining us live, we're at 1914 Trace on Boulevard here in San Jose, California. Our zip code is 95131. And the rest of you are joining us via Periscope or Twitter or free conference. However it is that you have come together to be a part of what we're doing, let's move in unity. We're going to open in prayer, and then we're going to find out what these kingdom conversations are about. I do have a few things in mind, and there may be questions. But I do sense that there's some things that the Holy Spirit wants to definitely release in our midst tonight. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you tonight for the perfecting of the things that concern us. That we find that when we make the decision to live according to your good pleasure, everything, is, everything falls into place. We find that it's a smoother life in spite of whatever kind of obstacles that might come against us because you were able to freely exercise your kingdom power on our behalf as well as to work through us. Lord, I thank you for the opening of our ears to hear you when you're speaking to us and that we walk in alignment with what Jesus has already decreed to be a kingdom principle, that his sheep hear his voice and the voice of a stranger we do not follow. In fact, we learn to shut it down and we learn to cause it to be eliminated from our hearing. We thank you that you draw us near to you and you draw us close to you because you're calling us to be a part of you. We are one with you. We are part of the body of Christ. And as you open these conversations to us, to, to teach us the ways of the kingdom and to and to really highlight what it is that you want us to pay attention to. And I submit myself to you to be a vessel of change and a vessel of honor and one that communicates clearly, hears clearly, and obeys quickly. I pray for the people that are under the sound of my voice, whether they're present physically or they are joining us by some form of media. And I thank you that the airways themselves are clear that there is a hedge of protection around every individual that is joining in, and that that hedge is so complete that even when the nagging and the thoughts that seem to be so familiar, that as truth permeates our being and, and is within our presence, that we begin to recognize when we're following after the ways of the flesh instead of the ways of the spirit. And so I praise you and honor you and I thank you for the power of the name of Jesus, for the power of the blood of Jesus, for the favor of God that is upon this conversation tonight, and that we are truly led by Holy Spirit to go in the direction that you want to go so that lives are changed, people are made free, deliverance comes, healing comes. Every manifestation of the kingdom that is ordained for this night, I pray, that it is not missed, that the divine appointments are not missed off of frivolous, demonic interruptions. But instead, we press in to hear from you and refuse to be distracted by anything else. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. 
So uh, I want to kind of cover a few different things that took place even last night. And so one of the things that, um, let me see, one of the things that, that took place was that uh, Dr. Baker's program, or actually it was our 5 o'clock a.m. prayer yesterday, and Dr. Baker, or the Holy Spirit through Dr. Baker began to speak and to talk about uh, different things that were happening within the body. And one of the things definitely did affect me and she was told or she spoke that there was a change in the, 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 the way of the pastoral and in the, uh, the ways that I minister. And then last night on the program, and I'm really um, collapsing everything that was said and, and making it pretty short or condensing it, I should say. But another one of the things that took place was that it was said that I was going to teach differently and to speak differently and um, in the apostolic as opposed to the way, the old ways. And so I was telling Christo that as we, as we were driving in tonight, I said, what that means for me, one of the things that it means is that I'm in what I kind of think of as an uncomfortable place. It's not a bad uncomfortable. It's, it's the type of discomfort that comes when you're starting to allow change to enter in. And so I call it the place of unnatural conversation. And what that means is, what that means is that things that I normally would say, ways that I would normally do, what I would naturally flow with has to give way to the supernatural. So you will possibly hear me over the next course of weeks or days having to self-correct because I'm listening and even things that are habitual in, in a, again, in a natural flow. God is saying, no, we have made a shift. And so you hear differently and you move accordingly. And so those are some of the, that's one of the things I think we're going to address a little bit tonight. We're going to talk uh, through these slides about our, our, we've been talking about our kingdom vision, but as you'll see from this slide now, that it says our apostolic kingdom vision, but we'll soon as Crystal changes it, but um, that it's our apostolic kingdom vision and that um, it's the kingdom, but it's the apostolic view of the kingdom. And, and what that means is that there is, it's, it's, the, it's the breaking forth, it's the manifesting of the kingdom of God in every place that we go. People will ask uh, some of the same type of questions, and it's like it's time to listen to the answer and believe it. I can't tell you how often I, I can be in a, in a place where the same questions come up over and over again from the same people, but the answer doesn't change. And that it says it's, it's a clue that we're not self-corrected because we're still asking a question thinking maybe God has changed the answer, which is an indicator that we're not believing him. And when I was reading, and um, what was it? I think it's in the book of John today. When Jesus was talking to them, it's either John or Matthew, I'm gonna go with John. When he was saying to them that you're not, 
when you, if you believe me, then you will see the things of the kingdom. But when you walk in this doubt, when you do not believe that, he says, if you don't believe that I am he whom I claim to be, if you don't trust and rely on me, he was telling them, here, you'll die of your sins. And they're like being very skeptical and pushing back and just saying to him, oh, it's not like that, that familiar thing. And I noticed that that's sometimes what you'll see in ministries. Much of the time you'll hear it being directed towards the leader, you know, they're being familiar with the leader, but it's even being familiar with one another. Because the Bible says, do not know each other anymore after the flesh. That from this time forth, we don't even know Jesus after the flesh. But we have to know him and know one another after the spirit. And in the series we're doing in Biblical Solutions for Life, the first session, we're kind of talking more about that. And so I'm just kind of going to mention it now. But I want you to, to you're listening to yourself. Listen to how you think. Listen to the way you assess things. How often do you go on the defense? from a very simple statement and feel a need to qualify or to let everybody know where you're coming from when nobody asked you. <laughs> because of a because of a insecurity that you've not addressed personally. I have uh, over the course of years being uh, in ministry you are subject to a lot of uh, observations and what do you call it Monday morning quarterbacking after the game after the game played the next the day before everybody sits around and talks about what the players should have done mm -hmm. and how they should have thrown the ball and how they should have done this at this in this quarter and everybody has an opinion of how the game should have been played but they aren't on the field and in the same to by the same token, we as a people can have opinions on how one another should address things, should live our lives. I have rules on how you should speak to me. Uh, I have rules on how you should address me or think of this or think of that. And it's like, those are your rules. But they're not God's. And we have lived so much of our life habitually according to the flesh that sometimes we don't see the dividing line. And in ministry, it's, you know, you're not even a celebrity, but you certainly are subject to the scrutiny of other people. And in your own orbit, in your life, whether it's your workplace, your family, whatever it happens to be, it's the same thing. It's just a different mold, a different window that people are looking through. But everyone has an opinion about how we're to live, and we're very well aware of the opinions others have of us, but maybe we're not so aware of the opinions we have of others. I have a friend, well, she's not a friend, but she was at one time, and I remember she was a, a, a church leader and a pastor and a whole lot of things, and she would talk about the, um, the, the nuances of, of, of the church that we were in, because it was really a hotbed of gossip and scandal, and just every flesh thing you could think of interspersed with our spirituality. You know, we had good church in um, Sunday mornings and things like that, but man, the afternoons at dinner, that was when the real stuff started. 
because that was when we did the quarterbacking and the criticizing and the mocking. And I thought that's just how you were as a Christian. I had, didn't have Christian experience. Well, that was my Christian experience. But, but, uh, um, but my other Christian experience had been avoiding Christian experience by hiding in the backyard. So my grandmother left for church, and then I come out and go in the house. So I did, I did not, even though I'm supposed. If you grew up in the church, well, actually, no, I grew up avoiding going to church. So you know, from the time that I, after I got the, the bat, you know, I was, I, I, I don't think I was saved, but I was baptized, and I joined church, and then after that, um, this is backstory to things that I wrote in my book. So this is kind of another part of it, but. You know, I didn't go to church after that because first I did with the little kids' choir, junior choir, and, and but they had so many rules, I just didn't want to go. So I had to go to Sunday school at the church that was down the street from our house. And I would go to that. And of course, my Sunday school teacher was my aunt on my dad's side. So I could not get away from people, you know, relatives or people that would tell on me. But I would take my sweet time getting back to the house because, you know, Sunday school got out. There was plenty of time for me to get home for the people that were coming to pick up my grandmother to go. But, you know, you were never late. So if, if you weren't there when it was time to go, they left. And so I would try my best not to be there so that they would leave. And one Sunday, my grandmother caught me as I was climbing over the fence. Actually, I couldn't climb the fence, so I would go in the gate and try to hide behind the incinerator until she left and she comes to the gate and she says, just don't let anybody in the house, please. And I said, okay. And that was the end of that. And I didn't go back to church other than special occasions um, until much, much later, okay? But I had no Christian experience. And so then going into church, the conversations after service were not kingdom. They weren't even Christian, per se. It was really just straight up gossip. And so I learned hypocrisy very well. And hypocrisy at the, this is my point. One of the things that you, in order to be a good hypocrite, and I was a very good hypocrite, you have to develop an insensitivity to what you actually say. So that you don't feel guilty. You can talk about people, but you never feel guilty about talking about people because you're not really talking about people. You're just pointing out the obvious things that if people were looking as deep as you did, they would possibly see after you brought it to their attention a couple of times and maybe acted it out <laughs> so that they got a good idea, not yet, a, a good idea of, of where you were going. And my brother Alfred is grinning, but he was there. <laughs> this is what we did. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's, you know now, of course, no, that's not acceptable because there's no love in that. And so what did we have in the church? A lack of vision and we had schism. And we had so much flesh acting out that it became a habit. And so that even as moving forward into the desired, I want to really hear the word of God, and I want to do the things that the Lord is saying, my conversations were still steeped in a heart from a hard heart that had never been convicted by the truth of the word of God. 
because I was able to come under my thoughts, not the truth, but you know, come under the radar of actually having to change other than those nights when the Holy Spirit was really present. And you all got convicted, and so what we do, we're all boohooing down at the altar, slobbering and, and, and so forth, and I just, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But as pa our pastor at the time used to say, he said, you're not sorry as in you're going to change. You're sorry that you got caught. And it was true. He's like, yes, I am. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that, that you know, I'm embarrassed or, or, or all these things. But are you, are you convicted with godly sorrow so that it will bring repentance, a change of your thinking and corresponding behavior? And sad to say, no, that, that took a while because you can become so good at being uh, acting from a seared perspective or a, a, a lack of compassion or love or whatever, that you don't actually see what you're doing as being um, in violation of what the Word of God says. You just, and that's when we make statements like, that's just the way I am. And we're not even singing just as I am without a plea, you know. We're not singing an old hymn. We're just doing something different. So the apostolic, now all of that is to say, see, the apostolic kingdom vision is one that aligns with the teachings of the apostles who learned it from Jesus, who present as Jesus presented the Father. So they present Jesus and the Father and present to us, this is who we are because we are part of this body. And this is where the teaching on the identity in Christ Jesus really has to start to take effect. And in one sense, much of what even I'm saying today can fall on ears that don't really connect if you do not have a solid foundation, which is um, mired, uh, rooted in belief that you are exactly what he says you are. Because there are levels of that. Well, I know this is true and I know this is true, but but it's a habit to live from the outside. So I know that it's true, but inside I have not let the truth change me because I still live from my flesh. Are you with me? Does everybody understand yes. what I'm saying? Yes. And you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, we try, I tried to be prideful about it and to say, well, no, I, I really do know. I mean, because in my heart, this is really what I want, but I did not, and it, it is so, I did, it was what I really wanted, so I'm being very sincere. However, I was, even in my sincerity, I was not changing. Because there's still that hard place. And that comes from the rules of engagement as a religious Christian. Which is why you've heard me say, a Christian? can do whatever they want. Because there's so many rules for Christians. You know, the typical ones, the world says Christians don't smoke, don't drink, and don't curse. Mm -hmm. And my response, or cuss, and my response to that is, except for when we do. <laughs> That's right, we don't, except for when we do. And then there's an exception to it. And some of the worst fights I've ever seen Christians get into are at church. Parking lots, back rooms, bathrooms, you know, is it safe to go out? 
not yet because I just saw brother and sister going on out there. So it's like, maybe we'll go the other way. You see, because those carnal flesh, which is that S-A-R-X, sarks, the flesh has had dominance, which means that those are the areas of demonic control or yielding to demonic influences as opposed to submitting to the, to the word of God and allowing it to be. Apostolically, that doesn't happen. Apostolically, they say, this is the word. This is what he has said. And so this is what you do. We don't change the meaning of it to conform to your understanding. But your understanding must become, you must get his understanding, God's understanding, and come into alignment, which is this next slide. So it says, more than enough ministries and astounding love, a global church fellowship built and prospered through the prophesy, in this case of Dr. Baker and others, okay? It's the others that have also prophesied uh, to her. And the words that she is now unfolding and opening to us, we prosper through that prophesying. And, that, and even what she said as the prophet, according to the commandment of the Lord, and according to the decree of our apostle, Dr. Baker, because in that sense, it's like, well, isn't that the same person? It's a different office. And so here it is, the prophesying has come. And, and what we realize is the apostolic voice that she spoke from even before the realization of it. She heard from the prophets. She heard from the prophets. And then would decree and declare the word of the Lord. So it's still the order of it. That's the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. And then the teachers come along to proclaim and to take the revelation and then to take the force of the breakthrough, which is the apostolic, breaking through this prophetic word to say, here is a place for it, here's the direction for it, and these are the places, and these are, this is how it will manifest because the strategy comes through the words of the apostle. The vision came through the prophet, I see this, and the prophet will only speak what God has said. No true prophet of God can ever speak according to what they feel or think. But it must be according to the word of God because a prophet, the, the job description of the prophet is to say what God says. To and that's it. And so the apostle hears with the ears of God, hears the voice of God, recognizes the voice of God, receives that strategic understanding and vision. See, the vision within the vision or the vision that pushes forward the vision and then releases that, uh, releases that strategy, breaks through and says, this is where that will be and this is what is established and this is how it will be and this is the alignment that is to be. And then the teachers come along, the prophetic teachers will come along and say, and here's what, they, what was said and here's what was shown and here's how it's done. So it keeps, it brings the others into alignment to, to say that this is what's what. Now, I was ordained again last night, and um, it was apostolic pastor, which doesn't mean that the office of teacher, which is the first office I ever stood in, has gone away. Because I have a teacher's anointing and an ability to teach prophetically, which means, again, you teach prophetically by submitting to the truth that has been established and releasing it not as your own revelation, 
but receiving the impartations that have come and, and, and going in the, in the path that has already been uh, uh, forged, if you will. And you simply walk in that path and, and bring the, the, the different pieces together to say, okay, see, it's almost like being a tour guide. See, this is where they said this, and so this is what we'll do with this, and this is where this comes from, and, and this is how this is done. But it always has to be in alignment. Why? Because the prosperity doesn't come from getting an increase on your job. It doesn't come from um, even just starting a new company. But it comes from that apostolic release and vision, the prophetic vision, and the words that the Lord has spoken, believing that God has spoken through those vessels and doing what you're told to do without feeling based upon your experience in the field and the things that you know from the world that you know better than what God tells you to do. Because everything now, all of that lines up with what I was saying earlier about uh, being a, a hypocrite, being um, specializing in the actions of the world, having even a, a, a bachelor's or a master's degree in stupidity from acting in the ways of the world. You understand? Having a great expertise. I know what people are like. I know church people. I know how they are. And all of your experience is based on flesh and carnality. It is not grounded in truth. So you do not know. You see? Because what you're talking about is has nothing whatsoever to do with God. It is the carnal experience that we are trying to bring forth as truth. I know they don't like me. I know this about them. I know this about them because God told me, if he told you and you were running around telling everybody what you know, you didn't hear from God, you heard from the devil who, because he wants to expand the disunity or the, the split. What he does not want is an opportunity for forgiveness or a release of bitterness from us and, uh, and a cessation of operating through our flesh and making demands upon others that fit our carnal ways. I've said a lot, but, but what an opening, okay? Um, you won't be built and prospered through the prophesying that comes from God as long as you hold on to the belief that what you know from the world has value in a kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is the higher truth, the truth which is higher than the lie and the deception that you have known. But we are all, we could say, many of us are quite experienced in what the devil is doing and how the devil wants us to feel and expressing the doubts, expressing the evil and the, all the things you know based upon a flesh-to-flesh -flesh connection. But you sever the soul tie of that flesh. You sever your connection to a lie, to a way of thinking, to a natural proclivity towards believing a lie because you have experienced it before. Because I have experience, this is, I have experience with um, people coming into a new place and having people look at me differently or, 
or this or that, so I know that it's because they don't like me. Well, truly, you don't know that. But what you have done is released that spirit and that expectation, and therefore you will get what you're saying because you created an expectation and made a, opened the door an opportunity for those things to come. And you, it's, it's almost like a siren's call, a, a call of attraction to the, to the negative, to the demonic. Come, here's an opening for you to come and work your evil in my life. It's the same thing. It's an atmosphere. It's an expectation that you, as a kingdom citizen, you're higher. You see, you're born from above. So you have the power to change the atmosphere for the glory of God to come in. But if you use your carnal senses to create an expectation for the usual, even though we cross our fingers in hopes that maybe we'll get along better this time, but as soon as the, the, the people come that have the same personalities, because the same demons go everywhere, then whatever is unresolved, it'll kick in the gear. It'll kick in the gear. It, it happens over and over again until, there's that beautiful word, until we exercise kingdom authority and kingdom conversation, kingdom words to stop it. This is why we keep being told as part of the alignment in this house that what we do, go to the next one, that what we do, these foundational scriptures, prospering and believing the prophets and you shall prosper, speaking the word, coming together in unity, having no, being neither male nor female and all this, but instead operating in the spirit, seeking first the kingdom of God, uh, the earth, knowing that the earth is the Lord's, knowing that these are the things that we, that we are to do, that we are to speak uh, what it is that the Lord says, let me read this one, that the Lord is our shepherd. That so therefore that he said he leads and he guides and I'm going to follow in that direction instead of what my mind says. I heard one of the words that I think Minister Al got on Sunday uh, through when Apostle Jones was speaking was stop second guessing. This this thing of hearing the truth and then questioning whether it's truth, coming to a point of decision and then questioning whether or not it's the right decision. So you're waffling back and forth and what happens? You become a double-minded man who is unstable in all of his ways and they'll receive nothing from God. But you'll sure get a lot from the devil. You see? So you take those words and you say, okay, I get that. Um, I'm, I'm here to do something else. And the apostolic vision requires us to live at the level that we have been called to from the beginning from the time that we came into the kingdom and we were seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. So you live from that place and no longer live according to those that have no covenant, living like the Gentiles. And that can be unnatural. That's exactly what it is. It's unnatural. In other words, I'm no longer going to be natural. I have to become unnatural. Because I'm moving to supernatural. I'm moving to the supernatural power of the kingdom. And so I have to slough off the natural way of 
uh, observing a situation and instead see it from the Jesus perspective because it's his mind that I am to use. I am a part of his body, meaning I'm one of the cellular structure or the bone skeletal ecosystem or whatever you want to call it, but I'm in him. And so he is the one that is to operate through me as he sees his father do. And I get to see the same thing because it means my eyes, when we talk about the DNA, um, we become a part, as we're part of this body of, of Jesus, this DNA change. Every single time I believe and receive his truth and allow it to start to permeate in that area, my DNA has changed from natural to supernatural. And it's supposed to continue on into every aspect of my being, meaning every thought, every situation I'm confronted with, every challenge to, to my natural, meaning when somebody brings me bad news and it's natural, like when I found out today that uh, the people came and the guy, uh, the son of a neighbor stole my uh, walmart.com delivery. It was about 100 degrees out there and I'm, within 20 minutes because typically I'm watching and I it's 20 minutes after it said your your order is there and I go to the front door and there's nothing there that's the first and only time that will ever happen the first time it happened is the last time it happens it will never happen again and I go out there and it's gone and I go looking around I call UPS and say what's going on you know it says it's here but it's not here so they started this whole different thing and um and I said, well, I don't even know what was delivered. So when they told me what it was, I said, oh, well, you know it. Okay, it's my sugar-free candy. Oh, chocolate. 100 degree weather. Figure it out. What did they steal? A box of melted candy. That's what they got. And I'm, that's what they got. They're forgiven. And I don't want that stuff that they stole. I get back what belongs to me. And you know the guy is like, well, I'm gonna go get him. I said, do not beat your son up over candy. But I understood what he was saying because it's like, I get along with my neighbors and you stole from somebody that trusts me that I have a relationship with. And that's, that's unacceptable, you know? So something's gonna have to give. So that's, I understand where that comes from. But as far as I'm concerned, they're forgiven. It's kind of funny. You know, you, you, you see all these packages being delivered to a place, and you think, we're going to get us one of those. And here, there's one right there, and they go running, and the one they get. <laughs> they didn't get my laundry detergent. You know, they didn't get my pellets, for the, and they didn't get my dryer sheets. They got my melted candy, which I knew darn well, because I keep some here and whatever. But you see what I mean? It's like, it's funny. But it was also, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to be upset? No, I'm, 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 I'm upset at the right thing. This will never happen. This is a failure. And Holy Spirit, you, I did keep feeling a nudge to look at the thing to see where UPS was, but I, because I was studying something else, I didn't do it. So my failing is that I'm, I'm like, you know what? I wasn't sensitive enough to what you were telling me to do. And I could have stopped the world and just said, Holy Spirit, are you telling me to go and do something? Because he doesn't always say, thou shall go to the door and stand there as the candy is being delivered. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to lead you in the way that you should go. And I'm teaching you, I'm going to guide you with my eye. And I'm teaching you to be so sensitive to me that as soon as 
it becomes a, a, a even a, a, a fleeting something that you will go with it and say, that's a spirit thing. You see? So it was a great lesson for me. And I'm sure that young man got quite the lesson too. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was a good day for everybody. Okay? And uh, the rest of it will be, will be addressed and it will be dealt with. But no, I'm not going to get into a slamming of this and a this and a this and a this because for what? For an $8 bag of candy? Seriously? No. I'm not going to allow my emotions to boil over. I'm not going to allow my mouth to cause my flesh to sin. That's a scripture. Do not allow your tongue or your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Frederick, I'll, if you're watching, why don't you just go ahead and find that one for us. All right. So uh, these scriptures become more, and we've broken them down, but today I just wanted you to see those are basically the ones that Dr. Baker has given as she started bringing forth what the vision is and that we changed the conversation and we, you know, we have an assignment. Now last night she uh, had gone over uh, one of the slides from Dr. Jones and so I'm going to cut, we're going to look at that again. I'm not interested in trying to get ahead so this will be the only slide that we look at from this. And I'm going to bring a slight, I, um, I want to make it personal to how these things are. That The question that was asked, why are we transitioning? And it is to align the house with the gift of the senior leader. Now, you see, this vision was given to the woman of God long before the church had a name, before the church had its name before she was really barely even knowing what to do. Because when we started the first ministry work, she was in the office of an evangelist. She meaning Dr. Baker was in the office. And she wasn't even Dr. Baker. So it was pre-Dr. Baker, meaning that, that um, her earning her, PhD, her first PhD, she, she didn't have a PhD. She had a nursing degree. So remember she was a nurse before she was a doctor. And she was an evangelist before she was a doctor. And so there she was, and she was known as Evangelist B.J. Baker. And I personally think she was hot stuff. She went places and did things, and, and, and over time, you know, I prayed that we'd get more of the stories. Because she met for the people that were the names to know in that season, she was around a lot of them. She was around Dr. Miles Monroe before people knew who Miles Monroe was on the larger scale of teaching about kingdom. But she was there in Bahamas listening to him along with some other locals here in this area as well as all over the rest of the world. But there they were in Bahamas. I didn't even know she left the country. And she left the country a lot. And she said, I'm gonna go to Bible college. And we're like, okay, that's different because you know it's just very different. She's going to Bible college, and she's doing this, and she's doing that. And I was with her in some of the early days of her evangelism as she talked about being out in the beach flats. And, and, and not the most comfortable thing to do in the rain and the cold. It gets cold sometimes in Santa Cruz. And, and the rain and, and, and sitting out there watching all the people. It was all of us out there all huddled in coats, just sitting really close together, <laughs> you know, praying in tongues or in Spanish. I don't really know because it... We had um, 
um, the pastor that met us and we met them out in Beach Flats, or she was sent, and she and Dr. Baker would start to uh, preach together. One is supposed to be interpreting, but after a while, you didn't know who was interpreting for who. They were so well matched in the way that they would both just shout. These people that were were in the in the flats in the little the little community area where all the houses are around it, and some of these people have been you know hung over, and so you're hearing. Um, uh, I, I don't remember, Poder, Poder, no, 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 Poder, and you know, there's power, power, wonderful, and they're singing in Spanish, and we're just doing all this at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Oh, shut up. You know, for some of the nicer things that they said, you got people there, kids didn't start coming out and playing, we're having church, they got dogs playing on skateboards, and, and drug deals are going on all around you, or prostitution deals are going, sometimes we went and gave food to people and they'd wander out to see what we were doing and making little comments, smoking a cigarette. I mean, it was different. It was very different. We were out there for about a year, okay? And um, going through the different things, but learning as this is with this evangelist, that is learning to hear from God differently. And I remember her, I, I used to say, because we recorded them on this little cassette recorder, and I called them street, street sermons because you would hear her talking about going on the highway of holiness and speaking this and doing this. And, and I, I'm telling you, you just got over caring what people thought about you. And sometimes it was fun. I mean, you know, there were the threats with the skinheads and this and that, because we were all ethnic, you know, every, every little ethnicity. So sometimes it was like, yeah, we're gonna, and then she said there was somebody that was assigned to put, that hit that was put on her. And the guy got so convicted by the Holy Spirit that he just sat there on, on one of those little stone benches and he just sat there and he had all the drugs on him and, and all this other stuff and he's supposed to, they're supposed to be killing her, but or her, her, us, whatever, and he couldn't do it. And so he goes, well, I'm, I can't, you know, like I can't kill you and I was married to my daughter's dad at that time. And so we're standing there and it's like, well, we were ministering to him. He says, well, what am I supposed to do with all this? Okay, see, you're showing it now. I can't say that I saw it because I don't want it. To, I don't want to say if the police come, I, 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 you know, I can't lie, so I'm not going to look, you know. But he shows this. That was a lot of money. I don't even know street value, but I knew enough to know. Ooh, that's a lot of money. And out of my mouth came, flush it. He could get killed for that. Well, you know, no, they're not going to kill you. They will not be able to. You know, this boldness and this chirpiness and this whatever, but it was true. They couldn't. What did he do with it? I don't know. But he got convicted by the Spirit of God and he got saved that day. You see? So there were powerful things that were happening in this evangelistic move that was even kind of, we had the establishing of more than enough ministries, evangelistical association. And this is what we did until we got called back to the church because missing the sound of Dr. Baker's mom's voice in those days, uh, BJ as they called her, her voice, which changed the atmosphere. Changed the atmosphere, okay? And then I got to go with her when she was preaching in other churches up and down, I was her I was the singer that accompanied her, so you know I had my little box of performance tracks, as we called them. I got to go to Monterey and some of those churches in Oakland, and, 
and where the real singers are, and my style was very different, and they would be like, you're gifted, you're gifted. Gifted was the word that was used to mean we felt something. Because what I didn't do in terms of all the showboat singing, the Holy Spirit would show up. And so, you know, going with her there, going with her to Pittsburgh, and just, uh, or in that area, but just up and down, and all the way down to Monterey, and, and, and places like that. So what was it? Learning to align with the gift of the senior leader. Now as you get older, you can forget and start taking it for granted and start familiarizing yourself. And we have done that with each other. And as long as we walk in a familiarity, we treat each other with disdain and dishonor. That's not acceptable on any level because, it, because the leader, the senior leader, does not do that to us. Well, I feel like she does. Your feelings are not truth. They're your feelings. Truth is what God says. Truth is what God says. Everything else is a lie. That's scriptural. Let God be true. And every man a liar. So therefore, if you don't speak, if I don't speak what God says, then I'm speaking, I'm speaking my feelings. Feelings are fickle and will lead you. I feel like doing this or I feel like doing that. But what you feel, or I do not feel like doing, and those things can lead you to acts of disobedience and rebellion. Following your feelings. The Bible says, be led by the Spirit. Feelings are designed to fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you follow them. I'm not talking about feeling happy. I'm not talking about a feeling of sadness. But if you yield to the sadness, then you can open the door to grief, which is a demonic thing that will come in. You can, I don't feel like getting up and miss a divine appointment. I don't feel like going to this place, which leads to um, failing to gather, failing to show up. Well, I was tired, and you're tired all the time because you have given yourself permission to miss out on certain things, and you will always be tired at those times. Check your, look at your track record. How many of the same thing do you always miss? Because at that time, you were tired. You've given yourself, it's a pattern that if we're not paying attention to our thinking and to what we have, our self-talk, we will tell ourselves, we have come to the time of day. We have come to, it's, it's, it's Tuesday or it's Thursday, and at this particular time, remember, you get tired because there's a meeting and you're gonna miss it. But you're gonna miss it for a good reason because, say it, I was tired every single week at the same time. <laughs> Just say ouch. But what is it designed to do? It's to get me out to get me out of alignment with the gift of the senior leader. Because when I'm around, then I'm going to prosper from the prophesying. There's always going to be prophesying. There's always going to be a reiteration. What is Dr. Baker saying to us almost every time we gather together now? She says to us, your needs are met. Your wants are, are given, right? 
Every single time, well, what is that? It's a blessing and it's a prophecy. And you will prosper from believing the prophesy. Yes. And you'll start finding yourself, and I'm sure many of you do, my needs are met. But you know, it, it, it's, it's a surface level that wants to go deeper and deeper and deeper until it becomes a different kind of truth. Not just a, I received it truth, but it becomes an I, I live it to such a degree that it changes the other parts of me that would be a hindrance to it happening. There's some things people get because God is good and they get these kind of blessings, but they don't change. And we have to change because he will not. And thinking, well, I'm okay with God, but I'm out of alignment with the authority, okay? So there's a difference there. So here he said, authority of confirming and swearing in. So I was already the pastor, unquote, but as the senior leader shifted into more of the power of the calling, we get pulled forward as well. And we moved from, we were not pastoral in the traditional sense, but we've moved from even thinking of it that way. And we've become apostolic, so you're an apostolic evangelist or an apostolic entrepreneur or an apostolic, which means that some of the behaviors Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, you know, everybody's from, many people are familiar with the things that I don't want to do is what I do and this and that and the other. And he is describing the emotions and the feelings. But then he says, this is what I've struggled with and here is the remedy. That the word of God and that I, that, that I yield not any longer to the law of the spirit of life and death. But I rise to the occasion to understand that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from my feelings. Because Romans 7 and Romans 8, Romans, Romans 7 and Romans 8 are connected. They are not separate conversations. So here he's told them, yeah, I've experienced these things. And I know that there's a law in my members that... It, my, my flesh has been leading me. And this, this flesh thing is not just what your body wants to do, but it has been what your emotions have wanted to do. And it's been the way that we want to order everyone else's behavior to fit our comfort level. And I've done it so often that even though I may, and I'm sure I am talking about you as well, my stories are, I'm thinking of things that I've done. And I'm thinking of the ways that I've tried to arrange things. In other words, when I'm still trying to use witchcraft, but I'm not a witch. When I'm still trying to manipulate, trying to intimidate, trying to force everybody else to do it the way I see it. But that's not how we learn Christ. Jesus never told everybody, do it the way I see it. He said the way the Father sees it. The way that gives pleasure to him. You got trouble in relationships? This is why. Because the flesh leads. 
and it's not supposed to. You know no one after the flesh, including yourself. And that's why our apostle says it can get uncomfortable because we have to have that self-talk and we also have to listen. And we have to align it only with what the word of God is saying. Why? To bring the church into the context of what God is doing now. Now is not future. Now is now. And when we say what God is doing now, it's bringing those things that are for this time from the unseen realm into the now realm. So everything changes. Faith is required. Not feigned faith, not emotional faith. Have you ever had you believe because good things have happened and you feel so good that you just have faith for all kinds of stuff, but it's based on how you feel because you've got good stuff. You know, when I got my new car or when I got this, I have faith. I have faith. But when the car payment came, I have faith for that. My faith for the car payment was not the same as my faith for getting the car. Because I didn't feel good about the car payment. I felt good about the car. And in fact, after the car payments started being steady, I didn't feel so good about the car either. <laughs> I had issues with the car. Because every time I look at the car, I'm seeing the dollar signs for what I had to spend that I, if I didn't have the car payment, I could have paid this or could have done that. You see what I'm saying? And then what happened? And you've heard these things. I became double-minded. Instead of pushing through with the truth to the true faith, faith in God that this mountain is going to move. You know, this mountain shall be removed and cast into the sea, meaning debt-free, flatten it out, get this thing paid off, never walk this way again. You know, do things of that sort. Well, you know, it takes time. It takes time most of the time because we don't use any of the time to make it so. Once a week, I kind of apply. Once a month, I work on my faith for the car payment. Is not going to get the car paid in full until the end of the loan. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Whereas every day, speaking and praising God for what he has done brings me, it shortens the time. It's a great example for what we mean when we say you want to take what's future, which is the last car note, and shorten the time space by calling it what it is at the end, calling it there now, and you shorten the time, and suddenly the money starts to come or the interest rate drops or this happens because I see where the end date is, and I want that end date to come sooner. So by calling your car paid in full, or your house paid in full, or whatever it is, call it, your name is paid in full, not that old raggedy car that I gotta pay again. Don't call it that, because you will also have to pay repairs. It will cost you more. I know what I'm talking about, okay? It costs more, because suddenly things start going wrong because you cursed it. And it has manufacturer fall downs that nobody else has had it. I called it a raggedy car, and so now I have to pay an additional $3,000 to fix something, or $200 for this, or $150, you know. And then what do you say? You say the most, the nuttiest thing ever, 
this stupid vehicle just always has problems. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you hear in the spirit, okay, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement with you. I just hook right on up with you and let's walk this thing out, you know? Wow. Right? Or you say, it's just a hoop deep. It's just a this. It's like, My raggedy apartment, these ugly old clothes I have, this, this, it's like, wow. And all of a sudden you hear somebody, that sure is an ugly outfit. <laughs> After you called it that. Because whatever you called it set the atmosphere for how it will be seen. Isn't that awesome? So we are to bring the church into the context of what God is doing now and our, what we're doing as we're walking with this is aligning with the broader definition of the kingdom, which is that you are able to decree, which is a kingdom term, I think, exercise your royal power, kingdom, king's domain, which is what kingdom is, the king's domain. You are operating in your royal power or dominion power <laughs> and speaking calling things, yeah, power, uh, your power, par, uh, to get what you don't want. I didn't order that. And I, I said that when we were in Waco, I think it was a year or so ago, we had gone to a thing and I got slammed, I think, by a lot of spiritual stuff. So I was a little drunk, spiritually speaking. And the waiter, I ordered chicken. I think it was called fried chicken, but it wasn't fried chicken. It wasn't <laughs> bone-in fried chicken. It was some kind of filet thing that was set on a plate. Now, I'm thinking fried chicken. But he, he brought this filet breast thing. And I looked at it, and I didn't even recognize it as fried chicken. And so I said to him, and I said it kind of loud, because I was really acting like I was drunk. And, um, you know, and I don't drink alcohol at all, but, and I said, I didn't order that. <laughs> and the waiter who had about had it with us by then, he said, yes, you did. And what you guys did is exactly what we all did. We just fell out. I said, oh, please. <laughs> was, yes, you did. <laughs> Okay, well, you go eat this chicken. I don't care what you do with it, but you ordered it, and it is yours, lady. You know, it's just the way it was, right? Well, in the spirit realm, here's this thing. You go, I didn't order that. The demon said, oh, yes, you did. Wow. Yes, you did. That was when we got up and... That was when we got up and went to the restroom. Yes. Yes, it was just funny because it was like that. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes. And you had a question too, I mean, right? I do too. Go ahead. Um, okay, going back to what you said earlier, because this brings up a good question for me. You were saying how sometimes we, we have big faith when our emotions line up with it and all the, you know, I'll just say, 
all the arrows are pointing to, yeah, this is it, this is it. You know, there's confirmation of manifestation or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then later on down the line, as you're walking that faith walk out for that, say it's a promise or a situation that you know that you know back then God told you, but here you are 10 to 15 years later, and you're like, okay, can you give me a sign? Can you give me a flash? Can you give me something to remind me that you really did say that? At some point, he may have back then when your faith was younger, right? But by now, I, I guess I should, I should ask you. That's actually not how I wanted to ask it. But bottom line is, going back to what you said, is this is that the time later on in the walk with the promise as you are expecting the manifestation? Is that the time when you really need to press in and exercise what you're talking about, basically speak what God said back then, the law of first mention, not what your emotions are saying now. Because I have an example where recently I was like, well, because I was, I was being challenged with, well, what we're hearing, which is declare that it's yours, you know, you know, stay, stay in that vein. And I started to question, well, wait a minute, but but maybe it's maybe what I thought was mine, really it's not. And I don't want to start speaking something that's not true. And so I basically said to God, you know, I'm I receive what you said, what I believe you said back then, but if I was wrong and you know, all this time I was thinking that it was you and I'm wrong, then you know, deliver me out of it. Because I don't want to be, you know, decreeing and declaring something that's not really from you. So um I don't know if that's a twofold question, but what do you think about that? What's your, what is that? Next slide, please. Here. Oh, you want me, do you want to? Yeah. Oh, Julie gave big money to begin small. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Dream okay. big even when you begin small. Okay. Okay, I have another question then. I will go quick. Okay, now here's another thing, because this is what we, we've also been hearing about, like I'll say the last month or two about, and I know this is God, because it sounds like what he's doing is taking us outside of what we think, outside of the realm of what we feel is possible within our own, you know, grasp or something, right? Like, okay, Gabe, that I could believe, but this thing, God, okay, that's got to take you, which sounds really ridiculous, but... You know, because about a couple of weeks ago, what that, because you were talking about this, you and Dr. Baker both are talking about this, dreaming big. Is it like, and I think you may have mentioned this, is it like when, and some other ministers have mentioned this too, you know, some people, a lot of us, when you were small, you had these dreams like, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, or I want to be this, I want to be that. Here you are all these years later, and that may still be a desire of yours, but it seems really huge. Mm -hmm. Is that the kind of dreaming you're talking about, dream big? Or is it also going to God and saying, what are the dreams that you want to put inside me that are so big that I can't accomplish on my own? And have I been holding on to dreams that maybe are not from you, and that's why they haven't manifested? That's a lot, but is that a part of this yeah, also? Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Okay. I'm going to tell you why a dream can seem small. It's because it's because of how tainted you have become by the world. Think of having a, a pristine, wonderful dream that people start slinging mud at. 
you started out fresh. You're so excited about everything that's going to take place. <laughs> Here's a great example. You got married. And at the time, and I'll, I'll kind of just pull a song from the 70s. We've only just begun. Oh, yeah. Okay. To live white lace and promises. A kiss for luck and we're on our way. And yes, we've just begun, right? And one of the lyrics in that song was sharing horizons that are new to us. Yes. Okay. And so it was one of my favorite songs um, when I was growing up. So it's beautiful and it's... Um, You've got rose-colored, uh, I think they say, glasses that make everything a beautiful hue. And you you are in love, but you know the love that you have for one another at that time is also filled with the dreams that you have. And it's filled with your own ideas of how yeah. your love will be. Yeah. Which is why later you hear songs like, after the love is gone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> or some, some other little song like that, you know, living single, sleeping single in a double bed. Okay. We use all kinds of songs that are about when, what do you do when the love is, you know, what you do when the love is new is not the same as when the love is through, right? I, we don't, why are you not married? Because we fell out of love with each other. Well, no, you never did plant the love that you have. And instead, you thought love would carry you, because you got to say it that way. We're in love. Everything is wonderful, because we're in love. It's like, what kind of love are you in? Are you in lust love? Like a lot love? I got a dream, he got a dream love? Romantic love? Hollywood love? or kingdom love, because only one of them is eternal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know what happens. Toilet paper, toilet seats, closet space, toothpaste, <laughs> towels, bra slung over the this, draw underwear on the floor, <laughs> children, dogs, in-laws, money, money, Monday night football, Saturday morning shopping, who's gonna cook, who's gonna take out the garbage, roles, roles assigned, roles defined, roles resented, control, paranoia, fear, anger, bitterness, but you're still married. Not really, but sort of. Do you see what I mean? But you had big dreams at the beginning. We're gonna go forth, and I'm only gonna talk about Christians because the other stuff doesn't matter. We're gonna live for the kingdom of God. We're gonna go forth and do ministry together. I envision the two of us sitting in church together, sharing a Bible with the arm around the other person as we look together at the Bible, exchange, look at the army there, exchange of look as the sermon is being preached, and then we turn around and listen to the preacher as the perfect Christian couple. His arm is around her, she snuggles up next to him, she's holding the Bible, he's caressing her back or 
flipping her hair, and they're just thinking about how good they look as a Christian couple, and we have to maintain that look. You know, I can't stare in this underarm because love is no longer what it used to be. The dream has flattened. It's not big anymore. Well, I thought you guys were going to go to Africa and you were going to do this and you were going to do that. Yeah, well, that was a good thought, wasn't it? <laughs> because it's been, it's been contaminated by living in the flesh. Two people in the house. Let's pray together. I don't feel like praying right now. Well, we're supposed to pray. And you're trying to pray and they come up with all these cockamamie things. And all of these things, I'm, I'm, I'm making, speaking lightly. But it's a disappointment that people start having, and that's when, to your point, Nicole, you start questioning whether you've ever really heard God, because this could not possibly be the person that I was supposed to marry, because my life is nothing like what I dreamed it would be. Well, the same is true of any other promise. God gives you a promise of a business or a this or that, all the different things that you see prophetically on walls, and we think, Oh, this is it. We're gonna. All we have to do is just obey, like for three months, and we should have a new building that we said ten years ago, or something, right? But we cannot get into alignment with that. You say I'm obeying, but they're not obeying. If you guys would obey, then we could get out of here. And it's like, well, as soon as you start criticizing us, you got to be just as bad as we did. Don't be telling me I'm the one that's bad. You see, and all of those types of it's all flesh. Flesh gets in the way of the dream. Because you because it's got the wrong watering happening. The dream is a seed that is nurtured and it prospers through the prophesying. So you continue to speak the word, and when the flesh the flesh judges the dream, the flesh says this is what we think of as a promise. You see, we think of it as God, you promise. Well, no, God planned. It's not, and I wrote that in a long, a long, what we think of as a promise, God sees as his plan for our success. But do you notice that when you go to God in the midst of a, a crisis in, uh, that was supposed to turn out to be a great thing, you're actually mad at God too. That man that you gave me, that woman that you gave me, that house, that car, that this, you said that it was supposed to be this way. And then you look back and, 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 and uh, somebody says, well, have you assessed yourself? I don't need to assess Boxer. I need God to just do what he said. I need this person to just come in line. I just need the money to come. And if, when all these things come in together, I can work the stream. No. You see, it's still off. It's never taken off or taken root. And I know people will want to argue with me, but I say, you can argue with me all you want, but where's your fruit? If I'm wrong. Now the good news is we can fix it like that. And we will tonight. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I have a question regarding the whole shift in the church. Mm -hmm. um, how does that relate or line up, if you will, to the whole idea of how um, uh, Dr. Baker has been talking about how building um, your your own companies and doing all this. How does that support one another, and how does it how does it work work together? So one of the one of the ways. That's a great question. All of these are great questions. One of the ways is it, you have to 
what is, what, what is this what is the thing that happens to a seed when you put it in the ground? What happens to a seed? It dies. It dies, right? So your dream of your big business or whatever it is that you're called to do, the temptation is to, in that moment, get the big head and just have the grandiose, grandiose ideas of everything you will be. That has to die. We help each other because everything is a part of God. And you, you know, the, the, the pattern for every kingdom thing is in the word of God. So in Acts chapter four, you will read about they had all things in common. This is before the Ananias and Sapphira scandal. In Acts chapter four, they would do, you know, Barnabas is, it was highlighted in the sense of him uh, selling a piece of property and bringing all of the fun, everything, and laying it at the apostles' feet. But that was Barnabas's heart and his choice. And he was also known as the son of consolation. He was a giver, and this is what he was. And, but they said that all had in common, they had all things in common. It didn't mean that the rich were no longer rich. It simply meant that their heart was such that they were making sure that no one went without. And that at the standard, see, you're not responsible for somebody else raising their standards. Every person has to follow God and obey him to do that kingdom expansion. But what we can do is help to maintain. You will never, the widows will never go without uh, what the supplies to take care of their household or their children. They will never be put out on the street. That, that this is part of the, the seed or the, the sowing that, that they did into what you might even call the community pot. That, which was the, the, the what we call in, in a lot of church circus, circles, not circuses, um, the benevolence, the community. They weren't required to go into school to do money management and things so that we can parcel it out to you according to our standards. You guys are having some issues with that, I know, so, okay. Um, but this was a level while she can go to school. You think of it like we create a program where the unwed parents can have the childcare while they're continuing their education, while they're learning to create a business or learn a skill or whatever it happens to be, but you don't need to be concerned about your childcare you don't need to be concerned about your transportation. You and we are not. You are not on welfare. You're not on the county dole. You are being taken care of by the offerings and the gifts of those of us that already have these things established to continue to propel you forward. But you're going to pay it forward because you're as a, uh, well. That's a good expression. You're going to sow the seeds that will continue to allow us to be bountiful in our giving. And one of the things you're going to do is you yourself will prosper because in the teaching uh, and in your training, you are going to prosper through the prophesy because we teach you the word and you speak what God has said and you allow the dreams that God has given you in the places where you were derailed to bring you back into alignment, knowing that you are loved, knowing that you are not under condemnation, but knowing that you were put here not to just pour out babies, 
but to but to grow into your kingdom identity and to manifest the promises that God has spoken about you and for you and that this is something that we support but we don't try to give you $25,000 and elevate you to a level that you do not have yet have the maturity to live through. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, so here you have a dream or someone else does, and we have prayed and, and we know this, is, this person is being sent out to do this. This person is being sent out to do that. They're going to go out into this area of society and they're going to change and we're going to do the takeover, meaning that the ways of the kingdom are going to are going to be uh, are going to replace and occupy there so that the people that are currently under a <laughs> the people that are currently under a demonic rule will no longer um, be under that so I don't know if I lost my sound or whatever and guys apologize but they're they're dealing with sound issues and so that horrible sound you heard was a speaker that kind of blew very loud okay so let's come on back and let's stay with this um, so what is happening is that you are looking for the uh, opportunity to, um, to build, to build the dream, to help the person to do what they need to do. And whatever we have as resources that will help you to build yours, we're building right alongside of each other. Scripture, Nehemiah, building the wall. What wall did you build? The wall that is right in front of you. But everybody is building the wall. You understand? And uh, everyone is building the wall at a different, uh, at the pace. And the families are coming together to help that wall be built. Why? Because when they were finished, everybody was for the boss. Not just one, one particular person. So when we all have a vision, and we all have a dream. What we are not doing is trying to become so self-absorbed with what we are going to become that we do it to the exclusion. I'm too busy taking care of mine. I don't have time for you. This is not the time of the virgins and the oil. This is the time when everyone is building together, having all things in common. My expertise in this area of paperwork will come to your assistance and in this the seed stage, I will seed into it, but there will come a day that yes, from this time on, you're going to seed into my services and, and everything will not always be free, but it, it, but you know, or we will, we'll go over here and we'll do this or we'll do that. Do you, do, does that make sense? But what you don't do is build your own self. You build the wall because the wall is for, is, is the kingdom piece. The kingdom, the building of the wall is what builds you. Because you're being built by the, the foundation of the word of God and the things that are being said. And in this way, we all in unity. Because no one decides to put him or herself as a, in a position of more importance than somebody else. Hey guys, I want to also tell you, if you can't hear me, it's because we forgot to plug the microphone in. So um, I hope my volume is not too low. And I, I'm going to speak up just a little bit. Or y'all can go ahead and plug it in. But we've only got about... Uh, 12 more minutes or something, but anyway, that, that's, that's also going on. But do you, you, can you get what I'm saying? You have to, you can't make what you're called to do about you. It's never about you. It's always about the king and his kingdom. What happens if it's, uh, Wait a minute. 
think that something that there's an opportunity that for, for you to do something that could possibly help to change things in a certain particular area, but but it doesn't really require, like you said, that there would be finances or something that, that the, the, the wall or the church could, could help out on, but yet you know that you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for God. Then I'm gonna ask, no, 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 exactly, no, exactly. no, no. Because see, that, that's gotta change, the idea I'm doing it for God to I'm doing what God said. Yeah, okay. Then there's no question, like, well, what happens when? Because if you're doing what God said, that's called assignment. Okay. And so there's no, I'm, do, I'm simply going to do what he said to do. In and of itself, the blessing and all of the other things come because God does finance what he calls for. We struggle trying to get stuff financed because we're simply not doing what he said to do. So are you saying that everything needs financing that, that he's called? I mean, I'm saying that everything that God tells us to do, whatever it's going to cost, he'll pay for it. Yeah. But we don't necessarily believe that. I've been guilty of that so many times. You know, I probably need to get funding for this. And I mean, I've talked things. I, I got to do this with this. I got to do this. And, and sometimes I've stepped out prematurely. You know, well, I got enough for this, but I don't have enough for this. And it, it's like, because you, somewhere along the line, I got off the plan. And I did something that seemed like a good idea, but it wasn't God's word to me. It wasn't God's instruction. And people said, well, you should be able, one thing Apostle Jones said that I heard that Dr. Baker has been saying all along, you have to hear him. And if we're not practicing, if we're not in the habit, of hearing him and what, what I mean what he says in his word there are certain scriptures you'll read and suddenly you know I've got an instruction I have had you know days where it's like I, I as long as I make it an option to obey God I won't but obeying God what, what the shift in the apostolic is it's non-negotiable yes. Yes. believing God is non-negotiable it is not, well, if I choose to believe him. No, when I cross over, I have chosen to believe. It's a past decision that carries over forever. And we are just that passionate and just that adamant about it. It is always going to be. You see, it's settled. I was told last night, you, you don't take offense. So something, I was asked a question earlier today about something, and it's like, well, are you offended? It's like, no, I don't get offended. Because I took that word as a command, not an option. When God commands, assigns, points out, get, uh, speaks, well, you can believe him if you want to. No, that, those days are done. I've crossed over. We've shifted out of options because we've made a decision. And the decision is firm. It will not change. It is, it is uh, how would you say it, Judge Connie? It is a decree. It is a declaration. It is, it is a law for me. The law of the life, of the, of the, of the, spirit, uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is in effect. And I am a son who is, I'm an obedient son. I am not rebellious. 
I will do what he said to do. And there is no other option. Everything else is off the table. There is no need to have a little rope around my waist in case I want to come back the way, go back the way I came. I'm not going back. Do you see what I mean? That's the difference. That's the apostolic shift. That's the unity. This plan, this assignment that I've been given will work because he said to do it. And he said, do it this way. He didn't say to get the opinions of 20 people. He said, go talk to this person. When they're going to give you this, you're going to take this, you're going to go over there, and you're going to do this. What's the, the scripture for that? Go into the town. You will look for the donkey that had that the coat that is there. You are supposed to take it. If somebody comes and challenges you and asks you why do you take it, you will say because the master has need of it and they will release it. Those were the instructions. It happened and they did precisely what they were told. That was a kingdom assignment that they fulfilled in full. It's not negotiable. It's not this comes back, no second guessing. My dream is this. God said it was so. There is no more questioning, did you say it or did you not? What instead the question is, is what am I not doing that I never asked you should I do? Because what it is, is you are more than willing to bring this thing to pass, but I'm looking at it, I dare to say, through the flesh. I'm looking at it and I'm judging it. I'm looking at it and I don't see it happening. I'm looking at it and I have, I've cursed it. I've spoken this. I have walked in doubt. I've walked in insecurity. None of that grows anything by faith. So what, me, what I'm going to do instead is throw out the unbelief and go back to the beginning, to the place where in Job he says, back to, return to the Almighty, to the place where I believed you. And then stay in that path. It's supposed to be big and then bigger and then bigger until it's so huge and so amazing and so impossible that I believe it. Because it's got his handprints all over it. Your flesh gets in the way of the dream. Because, because you have a plan. That's why I was talking about the marriages, you know, those... Of those those white lace and promise kind of marriages that that don't that had a, a thought of how God wanted to do it, but it did not have the follow through of continually watering and and planting the seed or speaking the word of God for it. Instead, we got busy with the life of the business of living, and we somehow brought ourselves through the disappointment the first time this happens or the first time that happens or you have this disagreement and, and first you come together in love but then you start getting other people into it and you're listening to advice that comes from the world and you're not going back to God and you're not, you do not have the habit of repenting and forgiving and apologizing and humbling yourself. Instead, now the requirements are they owe me an apology. They're the ones that are wrong. They're the ones that treat me this way. How dare they talk to me like this? And all of that stuff is flesh because the Bible says forgive, but I'm not going to. 
because they owe me. The Bible says to release. No, I will not because I may need to hold, to cash this chip in against them. The Bible says to submit one to another. Well, I'll submit when he does. I've heard people say that. Okay? I'm not the one. You know, this is the, the, the whatever century it is, and we just don't have to do things like that. The Bible says to love and to release and to do. Well, you know what? I've always got a justification for not doing what God said. And then your dream starts to diminish. You have a question? Because yeah. we're almost done. we got about three minutes or four minutes. And the scripture is Ecclesiastes 5.6. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, and do not tell the messenger that your vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? Ecclesiastes 5, 6. Thank you, Frederick. He says I sound okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know they can hear it, because this is it's okay. very it's good. good. We're all good. Um, I've been listening to this, not so much in the context of a dream but in the context of my own behavior mm -hmm. um, because that's uh, what I do not want to take my my behavior into this uh, into our apostolic transition mm -hmm. and so it has meant a lot of repenting and and um, so it really, when when you said there's no options left, mm -hmm. um, I did kind of experience that today when I heard the playing over and over again of a young woman who lost her father who's blaming President Trump. And so I was falling into the, oh, brother, and, and, and not really saying something, but thinking judgmentally and then when I was praying with Bonnie but both times today, I prayed with Mother Helen I had to repent then I prayed with Bonnie I had to repent it was just one of those days so then Bonnie said to me well you know she's not a Christian and I thought yeah she probably isn't and so I'm not looking at the behavior as well, that's what happened. Why wasn't I praying that she be saved? Why? So anyway, this this whole new transition that we're going to, I can see that it's requiring a lot more of us. Well, here's an interesting thing. That's great. You did not at that moment see it as an opportunity to bring the kingdom into a place okay. where it is needed. I didn't, you're right. But you still can. I still can. Yes, ma'am. You still can. You're still here. You're still breathing. The dream has not manifested. Then go get it. Okay. You see, you that, said yeah, a very that is a dream. Oh, you said I very see. So I did have a dream. Yes. Oh, and wow. you said something powerful. You said, I repented, which says your heart. You're not. Pride doesn't get to take over. You're able to confess it as a sin. And then you've gone to, so I've repented. Well, then follow the repentance and change yes. your behavior. And say, no, I take command over that and that spirit of greed. 
and this lying devil, and I will say these things, and no weapons formed against my president shall prosper, but this young woman will not be a victim of these things. You treat her like she's South Minneapolis. And you prophesy. <laughs> no, because yeah, what, because what you prophesy, how you prophesy now, over that yeah. city and how you take authority. This young woman is a citizen. I think Crystal has a question. This young woman is a citizen. And you can say no, because we also intercede for the United States of America and the people. And you just saw an individual who is in pain, and you have the power to do something about this. So do it. Yes, ma'am. That was beautiful um, because, well, that's just, I believe you're saying that's the same attitude or the same way we should be about ourselves. Yes. Because when you, when um, hands were laid on you and God gave you certain um, instructions, mm -hmm. you are then going to continue to, because he said it, you know that you can do it. So you're going to prophesy that and can continue to do it until you, you're manifesting it because yes. you're saying it and you're saying it and saying every opportunity. Right. So okay. I have to find out how to have a whiteboard on the screen. Oh. Yeah. And I'm so happy about that because you know I've missed my whiteboard. <laughs> that to me, give me Thank my you. marker and a whiteboard, and I'm a happy woman. Okay, because I love to teach that way. Mm -hmm. And so so we yes, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And and so that is the, the reiteration. We're about a minute and a half out. That is what it is, is that we have this power we are this force to be reckoned with and you have to i mean let me come back to you you started beginning small speaking to this person that i hear about on the media driving down the street and seeing those lies on those billboards and telling them no you are denied 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 mm -hmm. or whatever it happens to be exercising your authority in love you cannot intercede if you where you do not love you can pray i want these people this happened this happened and that happened but if you don't have love you're making a lot of noise but you're not coming through with a lot of effect i cannot be in agreement with you if i don't have love for you because i have dishonored you by oh just get the freaking prayer over well, isn't that the same thing as certain things in marriage? Just hurry up. Yeah. It's disdain. Yeah. So there's no opportunity for love to be released. Because dishonor has taken precedence. And in every place where we have dishonored each other, as well as leaders, um, uh, leaders in your corporations, leaders in the in, in United States of America, no matter how they appear to be, um, individuals that you work on teams with that are leaders, but you don't like the way they led, you've dishonored God. You've dishonored our apostle. This is what you know. This is what you're saying to yourself. This is I'm not saying this to you. You are the ones. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what myself taught you. Do not get to dishonor others. You do not get to be in disdain because they like cartoons and you like news. You don't get to, um, you know, fall short with them because they like cottage cheese. Okay, you don't get to, I mean, it's silly stuff and yet it's the beginnings. It's the opening of allowing myself to find fault with somebody else and wherever I find fault, I, I will also 
judge wrongly. Mm. I will use, I will come from the spectrum of demonic judgment as opposed to kingdom, where you judge and decree and speak the word of righteousness to let it prevail. You see what I mean? You had another question or a thought? Um, I, I kind of did. Um, because I was, you said you love, and I was in in my what I was thinking is how how do you know that you're you're loving instead of you know uh, mm -hmm. especially when you have a habit of um, maybe criticizing. I don't. I'm gonna ask you that. That's when I thought you talked to the Holy Spirit. How am I seeing this person? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that person is you. Well, you actually see them like they're a dirty, no good so-and-so, or like they're the mud on, you, on the back of your shoe, or, or pig slop, or something like that. Well, I don't want to see them that way. Then give me those emotions and move into the spirit. Let the blood of Jesus wash these things. Offer that sacrifice of repentance, and then ask me how I see that person. You see, I can intercede for you by way of dictation. Let her be this. Let this happen. And this needs to change. And um, what else will I have? You know, like somebody like, like God or angel are supposed to be like my waiter. What would you like? Well, I would like for their personality to change. Yes. What else? And I would like them to change this. And I want them to treat me this way. And I want this. And I want this. Is there anything else you want? Yes. I'd also like them to apologize to me for all the things that they've ever done. You know, as soon as you get there, you know, that's your flesh. And then they'll say, well, you're at the wrong restaurant because we don't have any of that. <laughs> I mean, they let you order everything on the menu, your menu, but that's not our menu. So instead, it's like, Lord, how do you see them? I see them as this. I see them as priests. I see them as this. I see, you know, priests at their home, or, or, um, I, how do I see that here in your mind? Dirty-looking woman walking down the street. He's like, well, I don't see that. I see the little girl that she was, and I see the dreams that she has to be a ballerina, or to do this, or to do that. And you were to pray for her according to how I see her, not how you do. So would you say that's a distortion of vision? It's just a straight up lie. It's deception, it's rebellion, it's flesh. So it's any of that. Flesh can be, the spirit of God can work through flesh to bring about a beautiful thing. What I'm, so we're not anti your physical body, we're here. What we are against is the works of the flesh that tend toward the demonic. You read in Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are these. The works, the manifestations, the follow-through of an unredeemed spirit that only lives to please itself or to fulfill the lust of the devil. You understand? So that's what we're talking about. We're not saying your flesh is evil. We're saying don't follow it because it's not following God. You have to be led by the spirit and your flesh will come into that alignment the living spirit of God and the vision that you see as Jesus sees will allow us and our flesh our hands will then become healing hands and extensions of the love of God instead of something that we want to fight with we're out of time so um, I gotta stop in fact yeah we're really out of time so I'm gonna say thank you to those of you that have joined us, uh, we are getting ready to receive in this place the tithes and offerings and uh, the gifts and so forth. So the screen will tell you where you can you can send any of that type of uh, thing. If you're live and in person and you want to come and join us on Sunday at here at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard, 
for Biblical Solutions for Life at 9.45 and 11.45, then we would love to see you. For those of you that need gloves and masks and all that kind of stuff, we do have those and we have blue seats so that you can sit. Uh, we do not socially distance, but if you need to be physically distanced from somebody, then that's fine. We can accommodate that, but we are a family. We do not distance ourselves socially and we definitely do not distance ourselves spiritually. We don't speak that kind of stuff. We're going to change the way that the world speaks. We don't speak what the world speaks. We say what God said. Now, if you want to be a part of something like that and you're able to join us physically, then please come. If you want to be a part but you're too far away, then join us online. And if you want to become a member of this ministry, even though you live someplace else and you are not currently affiliated with any other ministry, then we invite you to call us at 408-945-4439 or contact us at astoundinglove.org and say, I'd like to know how to become a part of this. I need a place where I can sow my seed. I need a place where I can be a part of something that is going to, that is so big that it's bigger than the room that I'm in. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We Again, we'll see you on Sunday. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee. We have had a kingdom conversation from and, and we have experienced the supernatural and the truth, the prophetic truth from the word of God. See you soon. Thank you.